As the coronavirus doomsday models fall apart, the alarmists who pushed them are doubling down on their draconian policies. We will examine the value of civil disobedience when power-hungry hypocrites get exposed and lash out. Then, the former Biden staffer accusing the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee of sexual assault files a formal police complaint. And the mainstream media go full cover-up mode to protect Joe. And finally, we take a look at the glaring logical fallacy at the heart of the left's favorite coronavirus narrative. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Happy Easter, everybody. So much to be thankful for. I know that it was a little bit of a strange Easter, and most people were stuck indoors, but that's okay. You know, it's still Easter. There's still so many things to look forward to, so many bright reasons to get out of bed, one of which is our sponsors. <laughs> Maybe not the top reason on Easter to get out of bed, but probably very close. And I really want to thank our sponsors right now because obviously we're having a lot of economic hardship, some pretty unprecedented stuff going on. So for our sponsors who are sticking around and with us through the long haul, we really appreciate that because they allow us to keep putting the show on the air. And so if you support them, that would be really great. Show them that we appreciate them. Best way to do that right now is save everybody money with honey. You know how much I love Honey. Honey, it's just free money, okay? Honey is a free online shopping tool that saves you money online. How does it work? Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. I'll give you an example. The other day, obviously it's a little hard to go out physically shopping now. I wanted to order gourmet Italian sausage on the internet. So I find the gourmet Italian sausage that I want, I throw it in my cart, and then there's a little honey up there. So I click on, honey says, we can save you money. I said, okay, it was supposed to be like $80 worth of sausage. So I click the little honey button, doop, boop, 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 boop. All of a sudden, I saved, I, I think it was 30 bucks on my sausage. 20 or 30 bucks like that, just gone. I've been using Honey since before the Daily Wire existed. Honey has found it's over 18 million members, over $2 billion in savings. So go get it right now. It's so easy. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and it installs in seconds. Plus, it's backed by PayPal, so you know that it's good. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is joinhoney.com slash Knowles. It's time for civil disobedience. We have all been playing very nice with the quarantine rules because we don't know, right? We don't know if this thing is going to wipe out all of life on earth or if it's being completely overblown by the media. So everybody has urged caution. We've said everyone should take the proper measures, wash your hands, social distance, all that kind of stuff, right? Go along with it if you can protect lives. They've gone too far. It is time for civil disobedience. I know this because of Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills is officially the place that has gone too far. They've all been creeping toward it. Beverly Hills crossed the line. Beverly Hills just issued a mandate that now whenever you leave your house, whenever you leave your apartment, not you're going to go into a store, not you're going to see people. If you walk on your own street, you need to wear a mask. Now, people don't have masks. You can't buy them anywhere, but you have to make your own mask. Put on a, put on a, you know, napkin or something, or put on a scarf so that you look like you're an outlaw in an old Western movie. 
You have to do that. If you don't do that, the first time a cop stops you, you'll get a warning. The second time you'll get a $1,000 fine. I'm not going to comply with this. I'm not going to pay the fine. I would encourage everybody else to ignore this as well. Now, it's not just in Beverly Hills. That's the I don't live in Beverly Hills. The problem is it's going to be expanded this week, according to most observers. It's going to be expanded to all of LA County. This could go many other places in the country soon as well. There is no purpose to this law. This is an arbitrary power grab. This directly contradicts what these same government people told us two weeks ago. You remember two weeks ago, we were told, don't wear masks. The masks don't work. They won't prevent the spread of the virus. You'll just look dumb if you wear a mask. The masks should only be worn by the nurses. Then two weeks later, they completely reverse it. They say, no, masks are good now. You have to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, we're going to charge you $1,000. No evidence that this will prevent the spread. And it comes at the precise moment that all of the models were proven to be wrong. And that's, I think, what this is really about. So Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, he sent out this prediction two weeks ago. He said, quote, there is no projection in which a couple weeks from now we're doing fine. A week or two from now, we will have images like we're seeing in New York here in Los Angeles. See, the problem with making predictions in politics, like specific predictions with dates on them, is eventually we can go back and see if you were right or not. And it turns out Eric Garcetti, mayor of LA, was completely wrong. He said two weeks ago, he said, there is no projection in which LA is basically doing fine. There's no projection in which we're not just like New York, hospitals overrun, you know, epicenter of the disease. That was all wrong. By the way, I predicted two weeks ago that LA would not get to that point. And I was right, and Garcetti was wrong. And Garcetti said there were no predictions, but that's not true. He just didn't listen to the people who disagreed with him. And so now what is Garcetti going to do? Now that he was proven dead wrong about this, is he going to say, I'm sorry, I didn't get this right. Never mind. I'm going to lessen up on the draconian policies. No way. That's not how government works. He's doubling down. In fact, the very day (laughs) that it turned out that the two weeks were up and he got it wrong, he didn't pull back on the lockdown order he extended it. So initially the lockdown order in LA was through April 19th. Now that lockdown order is through May 15th. They've extended it almost another month. This is not about preventing the spread of the virus. You cannot, when I go outside, if I'm just walking around socially distanced in my neighborhood, I will not spread the virus. That's, it, that's not how the virus works. I'm not going to I'm going to breathe in the air and then that the virus is going to sprout wings and it's going to fly three miles and go into the supermarket and see some people. That's not how it works. Okay. So not about medical science here. This is about saving face. You don't need to take my word for it. Other people are talking about it too. The experts and the courts and everybody else. Businesses should reopen in Los Angeles. Mayor Garcetti should be recalled. He should be thrown out of office. The other models were wrong too. Not just this guys' predictions. All right. I could look, if Eric Garcetti were wrong about something, I wouldn't be surprised. He's one of the worst mayors in the history of Los Angeles, which is really a, it's a real high accomplishment. The national models were wrong too. How do we know that? Because none other than the exalted Dr. Fauci told us so on NBC news just the other day. 
The initial projections, which took a lot of people's breath away, was potentially 100 to 240,000 deaths in this country. Now we have data, not just models, but actual data to plug in and, and assess. Do you think the number of fatalities in this country will be significantly lower than the 100,000 to 240,000 first projected? Okay. First of all, that's not true. She's, see, they're going to change the narrative. All of these people are just trying to save face. What she's saying here on NBC News is that the initial projections were that 150,000 to 200,000 people could die in America from this virus. Maybe 100,000, somewhere, somewhere in that range though, 100,000 to 200,000. Those were not the initial projections. The initial projections were over 2 million people. Remember, that's why we shut down the global economy. If the initial projections were 100,000, we would have taken very serious measures, right? We would have done some social distancing. We would have made people wash their hands. Maybe we would have had the masks, except, you know, we, we keep getting contradictory information from our government officials. The masks don't work. The masks do work. People with a complete straight face com- changing their tune the next day and then throwing a $1,000 fine on you if you don't listen to the newest information, even though it's going to change in two days again. But the initial, it, look, if the initial projection had been 100,000, we would have taken serious precautions. We would not have shut down the global economy for it. Because those numbers are not totally out of the ordinary for other diseases that we've seen or other social problems, right? Over 70,000 people died last year from drug overdoses. We didn't shut down the economy for it. Over, what is it, about 38,000 people die every single year from car accidents. We could easily stop that. We could easily stop that by instituting a mandatory 25 mile an hour speed limit. Mandatory everywhere. It would take a lot longer to get places, but look, we'd all be able to get places and you would save 38,000 lives a year. Virtually no one would die if we had a 25 mile an hour speed limit. Why don't we do it? Because as a society, we're willing to bear some risk, right? So nobody's advocating for the 25 mile an hour speed limit. We would have calibrated the costs and the risks here because guess what? When you shut down the global economy, people die. A lot of people are going to die from this. A lot of people are going to die from suicide. A lot of people are going to die from drug overdoses. More people than have even in the last two years. So we would have calibrated our response. The problem is the initial projections were 2 million. Don't let them forget that because they're going to try to gaslight you on this and say, no, we weren't talking about 2 million. Yes, they were. So she asked the question. Here's Dr. Fauci's response. I do. And I believe that the mitigation, I think the American public have done a really terrific job of just buckling down and doing those physical separation and adhering to those guidelines. As I've told you on this show, models are really only as good as the assumptions that you put into the model. But when you start to see real data, you can modify that model. And the real data are telling us that it is highly likely that we're having a definite positive effect by this mitigation things that we're doing, this physical separation. So I believe we are going to see a downturn in that. And it looks more like the 60,000 than the 100 to 200,000. But having said that, we better be careful that we don't say, okay, we're doing so well, we could pull back. We still have to put our foot on the accelerator when it comes to the mitigation and the physical separation. Did you just hear what Fauci said? Fauci just said, that he got it completely wrong, even as of a week or two ago, when he said it, there would be 100 to 200,000. Therefore, we need to do exactly what he says. I totally botched it. My numbers were totally wrong. 
therefore keep doing exactly what I've been saying the whole time. No, I don't think so. I don't think it works that way. And the other way they're going to gaslight you is one, they're going to lie to you about the initial projections, which they're already doing. And then the next thing they're going to do is say, yes, well, sure. We said a week ago, we said hundred to 200,000 deaths, but you know, that wasn't taking into account mitigation strategies. Yes, it was. We were already doing the exact same mitigation strategies one or two weeks ago. We've been doing it for a month now. All of those models were already taking into account all the things we're doing and they were dead wrong. We're now hearing it's going to be less than half of what they predicted it was going to be. That's good news. We don't, right? We want the total death number to be significantly lower than we were told, but we also don't want to be lied to because if 2 million people are going to die, I'm willing to give up my liberties for a brief period of time if you can save 2 million lives. If that number is more in line with what we're seeing with many other diseases, with seasonal flus, with drug overdoses, well, then we've got to calibrate our policy based on the way that we calibrate our policy for all of those other issues. Because it's not fair and it's not reasonable to just take this one particular plague and not consider it against all the various other plagues that we have to deal with, right? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The trouble is they continue to lie to us about this. And the other way that I know that this is, uh, we're now at the point of saving face, is that the politicians themselves who are instituting these policies do not believe their own BS. We'll get to the examples of that in just a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Lightstream. You know, now I think saving every penny you can is particularly important. And that is especially true on your credit card balance. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates from just 5.95% APR with auto pay, there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply, which can be very helpful these days. Customers have said great things about Lightstream, like I heard about Lightstream while listening to one of my favorite podcasts. I hope that's me. And it prompted me to do some more research. After shopping around for a personal loan that would help me get a lower interest rate, there was no one easier to work with. Plus, Lightstream had the best rate by far. Better yet, no fees and I had my cash within two business days. Overall amazing experience. Highly recommended. Apply today to get a special interest rate discount. Save even more. The only way to get this discount is go to lightstream.com slash Knowles, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Knowles. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Knowles for more information. The politicians themselves don't believe this BS. This is how I know that this is a naked power grab. It's probably the clearest evidence that this is just a naked power grab. The politicians are not abiding by their orders. So from day one in New York City, when New York finally locks down, Mayor Bill de Blasio continued to leave his house, get in his car with his driver, go to his gym, and go work out. No one else gets to go to their gym. But Mayor Bill de Blasio, he's so much more important. See, all these rules, they apply to the little people, the little peasants. They don't get to have their rights. So look, they need to stay in place, shelter at home. That'll prevent the spread of the virus. Bill de Blasio's got to work out. He's got to look good, right? He's got to feel, he doesn't feel good when he doesn't work out. It's not just Bill de Blasio. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's my favorite one of them. She just cut a PSA about how you should not get a haircut during the lockdown. And that was right before 
she got a haircut during the lockdown. Here's the PSA. Debbie, getting your roots done is not essential. Your dog doesn't need to see its friends. You can work on your jump shot inside. Okay, yep. Very simple PSA. Come on, I'm the voice of reason here. You don't need to go out. You don't need, you don't need to get your roots done, all right? That's not essential. So it became very awkward when Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot went out and got her roots done, when she went out and got a haircut. She was called out for this at a press conference. The arrogance, the condescension, the sheer pride in her response tells you everything you need to know about this power grab. I'm out in the public eye and, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself. And so I got a haircut. She's very different from you. You see, you are a filthy mongrel, but she takes her hygiene very seriously. You basically just roll around in slop and filth all day. Which, that's fine for you. You're a little person. You don't even go on television, okay? Lori, she's got to go on TV, all right? She's in the public eye. And she, unlike you, takes her hygiene seriously. The fact that she could say this with a straight face, the fact that Bill de Blasio could do this, he goes out one day, he says, you got to lock at home, but then I'm going to go to my gym. And he sees no contradiction here tells you that this lockdown is now all about power. I was totally willing to abide this thing for a while when we didn't know, when the models were projecting doomsday. But then Dr. Fauci said the models are only as good as the data you put into them. But the data now are coming in, the hard data, and it turns out that the models were totally wrong. Now they're being exposed. Now these people who are putting one set of draconian rules for you and then living by a completely different set of rules. They are being exposed for what this has become. You would expect when the data shows something new that these politicians would change course, but they're not. The only way they're changing course is they're doubling down because this is about a, a, an arbitrary power grab. That is precisely the time for civil disobedience. Beyond the orders that are merely stupid, I'm thinking of face masks for walks around the neighborhood when you're separated from anybody, you know, within eye eye or earshot. Some orders are worse. Some orders are downright illegal or unconstitutional. An example of this we saw over the weekend for Easter. You know, you can't go to church right now. I really like going to church. I think America was founded on religious liberty. I think the pilgrims came over here to practice their religion. America has always been a more religious country than virtually anywhere else in the world, certainly anywhere else in the West. Okay, so religion really matters. And yet I understand that if there's a very dangerous plague going on that's going to kill 2 million people, you got to maybe close the churches. Totally get that. Churches have responded. One such response was a church decided to do a drive-up service. You know, you go to a drive-in movie theater, 50 years ago, well, you can go to a drive-in church. It's a great solution, right? Because it's just your immediate household in the car. You're not touching anybody. You're not talking to anybody. Well, the Democratic mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, decided to ban that too. What possible effect on the public health could that have? None whatsoever. 
but it's an arbitrary power grab for this jerk who probably doesn't care very much for religion. So he bans this thing. And do people say peep? Do they, do they protest? Do they? No. Okay. And now is the time to do it. It would be one thing if these laws were being applied evenly, if they were being applied fairly, but they're not around the country, almost everywhere in the country. Certain states have been smarter about this, but almost everywhere. Churches are being hit especially hard. The police are being deployed to churches. Meanwhile, head shops are remaining open. Abortion mills are remaining open. In Los Angeles, marijuana dispensaries are an essential service. For many people in Los Angeles, it probably is an essential service. But churches are shut down. The cops are going to show up if you open your church. So you can go buy that sticky, icky kush. You can go kill your baby. Those are both essential services, but you can't worship God on Easter. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if I'm going into the head shop or if I'm going into an abortion clinic, I'm going to interact with a lot more people, right? There's a lot less social distance in both of those places. And generally potheads are not known for keeping their social distance. All right. But there you're going to talk to people. You're going to, you're going to interact with people. If you go to drive-in church, you're not going to touch anybody. These laws are not being applied fairly at all. The liberal places, and look, I understand a lot of conservatives occasionally like to smoke the devil's lettuce, all right? I'm not making any point about that right now. I'm just saying, generally, it's the left that supports these places. They get a pass, and the churches get shuttered. Other places, this is happening too. Uh, De Blasio in New York threatened if a church were to open up or a synagogue were to open up, he threatened to permanently shut them down. Not that he was going to go in and say, okay, for the rest of the quarantine, you're out, you're done. Not even that he was going to arrest the pastor. For churches and synagogues, he was going to permanently close down the buildings. Those are the only two religions, by the way, that he mentioned. A couple other faith groups went unmentioned. They're apparently allowed to do whatever they want. Phil de Blasio is a little more afraid of them, but churches and synagogues shut down. In Kentucky, the Democratic governor, Andy Bashir announced that he would send the police to churches to record the license plates of anyone who attended and then have the cops show up at their door and force them into quarantine for 14 days. When the cops are prowling around your churches recording your license plates, that's the time for civil disobedience. This is obviously BS, but it's also quite arguably illegal and or unconstitutional and people should resist it. And by the way, not just my opinion. This is not merely the opinion of some guy on the internet. This is also the opinion of federal courts and apparently the attorney general of the United States. So at least in Louisville, we had a court weigh in on this. In Louisville, a federal judge ruled on Saturday, so right before Easter, that the, the drive through church was right about their religious liberties being violated, and they permitted that establishment to hold the drive-up service. So because the church pushed back, fought against this, said, wait a second, I know that the local authorities have police power, especially in times of plague, but this is not fair. This is not being applied evenly. They fought it in court and they won. How about on the national level? The spokesman for Bill Barr, the, the attorney general, just tweeted out this line, quote, during this sacred week for many Americans, A.G. Barr is monitoring government regulation of religious services. 
While social distancing policies are appropriate during this emergency, they must be applied even-handedly and not single out religious organizations. Expect action from the DOJ next week, exclamation point. Great news. Because here's the thing. I'm not suggesting radicalism on this quarantine issue. I'm not saying that it is necessarily wrong to have lockdowns or quarantines or to protect the public health. I'm saying that the, the laws have to be applied evenly and fairly, that they can't be arbitrary power grabs, that they can't be ways for failed politicians to try to save face after they've already violated so many of our heretofore cherished rights. Okay. And by the way, enforcement of these lockdowns is not just an academic matter. Okay. It's not just something that we kick around the water cooler and, and that we have academic debates about. The enforcement of these lockdowns is increasingly becoming violent. We'll get some evidence of that in just a moment. Best example on that is Philly. Then we'll get to the Joe Biden assault because finally the mainstream media have sort of broken their silence about the Joe Biden assault allegation, but like sort of, and not really. And it's really, really sad for them. We will get to all of that and so much more. First though, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank you for being Daily Wire members. If you're not a member, now's the time to do it. We have an excellent deal. When you become a Daily Wire Insider Plus or All Access member, what do you get? You'll get, well, you'll get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. That's pretty good. Do you know what else you'll get? You will get another Leftist Tears Tumblr. You will get two magnificent Leftist Tears Tumblrs. That is, by my calculation, twice as good. Look, I'm not one of these geniuses who makes all the models and everything, all right? I'm no... I'm no Dr. Fauci, but I think that two is twice as good as one. That's right. One for you, one for Corn Pop. For our existing members, look, I know many of you are going to feel a little envious right now, but don't worry. We have a special offer coming up just for you as well. Daily Wire members get many amazing benefits, including, of course, the magnificent Irreplaceable Leftist Ears Tumblr. You also get an ad-free website experience, access to our live broadcast, the show library. You get everything, okay? You get everything. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to get started and get 10% off with promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Coupon code Knowles. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. The enforcement of the lockdowns is becoming violent. Best example of this is in Philly. So you remember in Philly at the start of this lockdown, Philly decided they were going to stop arresting criminals. Not all criminals, but the low-level criminals. And I'm not just talking about you steal a candy bar at a store. I'm talking about burglary, vandalism, pimping, dealing narcotics. You know, offenses that are low-level compared to murder, but they're, you know, they're serious offenses too. The Philadelphia police said, we're not going to arrest people for that. The cop could watch you committing the act. We'll not arrest you for it. This was all in order to thin out the jail population ostensibly so the coronavirus doesn't spread. So in Philly, if you commit a crime, you're probably not going to go to jail. If you're in jail, by the way, you might get out of jail early because they want to reduce the jail population. But if you don't comply with the face mask order, guess what happens? You will get manhandled by the cops. Here is a Philly official telling a bus rider that very fact. If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. Sir, 
You have to get off the bus. You have to get off the bus. Sir. Sir. Sir, sir, you got to get off the bus. You think it ends there? No, it doesn't. Here's the next video that we saw of multiple cops, I assume cops, or at least transit officials, dragging this guy off the bus by his legs. Take a listen. So he's got one leg outside the bus right now. He's holding onto the rail with the other one. Wow. That's, that scene is pretty amazing. Not to bring race into this, but the left would always bring race into this when it comes to interactions between black civilians and white police officers, except for right now. What happened to Black Lives Matter? What happened to no stop and frisk? What happened to all that goes out the window? You got a bunch of mostly white cops pulling a black man off a city bus, dragging him by his legs because he doesn't have a facial mask on. The left is dead silent on it. For me, I don't think the racial angle matters at all here. I think the fact that anybody is being manhandled by the cops when they could just hand him a mask, give him the mask. You can't get the damn masks anywhere. Okay, cops, you got a mask, hand it to him. I'll comply. That's fine. If, if you're in a city, you're on a public transportation, you're in very close proximity to people. Now the experts are telling us that masks help in that case. Fine. I'll be a sport. Give me the mask. That would be a whole lot easier than ripping this guy off of the bus. But doesn't matter because this is about flexing muscles. This is about the government showing you how little freedom you actually have, how much power they can have. Doesn't matter if it's legal. Who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them? Enough is enough. Enough is too much. We gave the alarmists the benefit of the doubt. And I don't even really regret that. Better safe than sorry, right? So we give the alarmists the benefit of the doubt. They were completely wrong. Okay, fair enough. Now they want to double down because they're humiliated that they got it completely wrong. There's some people on the right too, mostly the left, but some people on the right too. They were wrong, totally wrong. It's time to start reopening. President Trump wants to reopen. That's the story, at least. That's what we're being told by the Washington Post. So take it with a grain of salt. But still, that's the reporting we're getting. Behind closed doors, President Trump, concerned with the sagging economy, has sought a strategy for resuming business activity by May 1st, according to people familiar with the discussions. Very possible this is being floated by the Trump White House. It's being leaked to the WAPO to see what the reaction is. Well, you and I and everybody else should give the Trump White House encouragement. That's a great idea. Open this damn thing up by May 1st. If there were any evidence that any of what the alarmists were saying was true, perhaps we could still urge caution. Perhaps not, because there's a lot of cost to remaining shut down. Economic cost, obviously, we're, you know, we're just completely destroying the global economy. But Human, human life costs too. People are going to die. Every day that this drags on, more people will die from this. Open it back up. There's a political cost too, by the way. 
the longer President Trump keeps this shut down, the tougher it's going to be for him to win in November. And that's another reason why these Democratic politicians and the mainstream media, but I repeat myself, are doing everything in their power to keep this country shut down. Now, part of that is they don't have a candidate to go up against Trump in November. They've got the walking cadaver formerly known as Joe Biden. He's the candidate. Okay. Yeah. You think he's, I I think you you could probably get to 50% unemployment. Trump would still have a good shot of beating Joe Biden. Who wants to vote for that guy? Very few people. And now he's got a problem. He's got a me too problem. You know, what's so amazing. Nobody's talked about this. I think Jeremy boring is the, the first guy I've heard mention this. The left made such a big hullabaloo in, in 2016, because president Trump once joked on a hot mic with Billy Bush and said that he's a Hollywood star. So women let him grab them by the, you know, where, right? He said, Oh, look, when you're a famous, when you're a Hollywood star, they let you grab them by the, you know, where Joe Biden is currently being accused of actually grabbing a woman by the, you know, where not joking about it on the access Hollywood bus, but actually doing it. (laughs) And they don't, and they kill Trump for it. And they don't even freaking mention it when Joe Biden does it. Well, they're going to have to mention it now because the woman who's accusing him of this is filing a formal police complaint. She did that late Thursday afternoon. She filed a a report of the incident with the sexual assault unit of Washington, DC, Metropolitan Police Department. As of Friday, the day after that, guess how many stories the mainstream media had run on this allegation against Joe Biden? Washington Post, take a guess. Zero. New York Times, take a guess. You got it? Uh, Zero. CNN, take a guess. Zero. MSNBC, take a guess. Zero. None. Nada. Nunc. Niente. Guess how many accusations, or guess how many, well, I guess they were accusations, but guess how many stories the mainstream media ran against Brett Kavanaugh talking about the allegations against him, which by the way, were much, much weaker than the allegations against Joe Biden. The allegations against Kavanaugh, the people who were at the alleged party didn't remember any of the facts. The girl, the woman, Christine Blasey Ford, changed her story multiple times. There's no evidence that many of these people even met one another. Then the other allegations were just completely discredited by a guy who's currently in the can, Michael Avenatti, remember that? Those were totally frivolous. The media ran all these stories about them. This is a Joe Biden staffer. This woman actually worked for the guy. I still don't think they're particularly credible, but you know, they're way more credible than the ones against Kavanaugh. Guess how many stories the mainstream media ran against Kavanaugh? New York Times, over 90. Washington Post, over 100. CNN, over 100. MSNBC, over 100. And they can't be bothered to write one article about a far more credible allegation against Biden. New York Times finally runs the story. They finally run the story. They can't even do it honestly. Here's the, here's the headline. Examining Tara Reid's sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden. So you can see here in the first, the first page or so of this, it's just defending Joe Biden and defending themselves. I love this. This is by the third, fourth, uh, fifth paragraph. 
Soon after Ms. Reed made the new allegation in a podcast interview released on March 25th, the Times began reporting on her account and seeking corroboration through interviews, documents, and sources. BS. They didn't run anything. They didn't run one article about it. Now, they're trying to fudge the language here, right? So they're going to say, well, we began reporting. We didn't publish anything. But, you know, we like picked up the phone. We called some people. We tried to tried to disprove this as long as we could for several weeks. And then three weeks later, we finally decided to write a word about it in mostly defending Joe Biden. So they defend themselves. They defend Joe Biden. He says, last year, Mr. Biden, 77, acknowledged the women's complaints about his conduct, saying his intentions were benign and promising to be, quote, more mindful and respectful of people's personal space. And even in this defense of them, they were devious. They were deceitful. So initially, initially, here is what the New York Times article initially read. No other allegation about sexual assault surfaced in the course of reporting, nor did any former Biden staff members corroborate any details of Ms. Reed's allegation. The Times found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Mr. Biden beyond the hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. Okay. Now we all know about that. We know numerous complaints against Joe Biden by women who, you know, he kissed them on the cheek or something and they, they didn't like this. They stealth edit that paragraph. They don't put a correction. They don't say they edited it. They just stealth edited it. The paragraph now reads, no other allegation about sexual assault surfaced in the course of reporting, nor did any former Biden staff members corroborate any details of Ms. Reed's allegation. The Times found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Mr. Biden. Notice anything missing? I'm sure the Biden campaign went in and rewrote this article. That's the sort of hackery that the New York Times has descended into. Okay. Then they go on, they, and then they finally, on the second page, second or third page, they, they say, here's Ms. Reed's account. And it reads like a police report. They, don't, they put, don't put any sort of emotion into it. And then they give her account, but the, the point is clear. They don't believe her. They know that Biden is a terrible candidate. That's why they're doing this. They know that President Trump has handled coronavirus very well. And so they're doing anything they can to resuscitate Joe Biden, both as a matter of his reputation and probably physically trying to resuscitate him so he can go out on the campaign trail. They're also trying one last ditch effort to make the coronavirus Trump's fault. So here is, here is something that, yeah, this, this is, by the way, a much longer article than the article about the sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden. This is called, he should have seen what was coming behind Trump's failure on the virus. An examination reveals the president was warned about the potential for a pandemic, but that internal divisions, lack of planning, and his faith in his own instincts led to a halting response. Okay, here we go. What do we got? So we got a full page of how Trump is the devil and, you know, it's all his fault. And we got another page of, yeah, Trump is a really horrible guy and it was all his fault. And, you know, something's missing from this coverage of how the pandemic took over the United States. And you got a whole other page, a third page of that. And then, oh yeah, there at the very bottom, China. You know, China, which caused the entire pandemic, China, which developed it somehow, probably naturally, but I guess it could have been in a lab too. The thing develops in China then China completely covers it up and, and punishes journalists who talk about it and punishes whistleblowers who talk about it, covers it up to the point that the University of Southampton said if they had stopped covering it up three weeks earlier, would have reduced the spread by 95%. Even if they had stopped one week earlier, would have reduced the spread by 66%. They covered it up for months and months and months. Bottom of the third page, beginning of the fourth page, that's where you see China mentioned in this article. Now it's so flimsy, right? 
it doesn't land. These attacks that Trump is not taking coronavirus seriously. One, it doesn't land because their BS alarmist predictions that they tried to sell us for two weeks, the 2 million dead number, haven't happened. 2 million dead, now it's going to be 60,000 dead. 60,000 dead, something to take very seriously, but it's not, not 2 million. Okay, so that's part of the reason why it doesn't land. The other reason it doesn't land is because the liberal governors of the most liberal states in the country are saying that President Trump is doing a good job. Here's Andy Cuomo in New York. I've worked very hard with the president of the United States. We've had our political differences in the past, no doubt. But uh, there's also no doubt that I've worked hand in glove with the president here. And uh, he has been responsive to New York and responsive to New York's needs. And he's done it quickly and he's done it efficiently. I've literally had conversations with him in the morning where he turned around a decision by that afternoon. I've been in the federal government. I know what it's like to make a decision. Uh, And he has uh, really responded to New York's needs. So keep politics out of it. Focus on government and focus on policy. That's a ringing endorsement. I get it. Andy Cuomo wants to play nice with the president right now. The president has said nice things about Andy Cuomo. They're working together. This does happen during times of crisis, but Cuomo didn't need to be that effusive. Okay. He could have tempered his remarks or he could have made shorter remarks and he didn't because Trump's doing a good job and the governors know it. It's not just Andy Cuomo saying that, you know, Trump and Cuomo have known each other for a long time. They're both New Yorkers and Andy Cuomo's father was the former governor, a kind of legendary governor of New York. So they've known each other a long time. Same thing is true on the other side of the country, though, in California. Gavin Newsom, liberal, liberal governor of California, saying the same thing, that Trump has done a great job. You know, obviously, you've had uh, differences with the president uh, in the past, tough words on on both sides. You've been able to work together, it seems, uh, in this uh, for the needs of your state. Yeah, look, I mean, Anderson, we're involved in 68 lawsuits with the Trump administration. I've been on your show. I haven't been timid. He certainly hasn't been timid. Uh, but I got to say this. It's just a fact. I'd be lying to you. I'd be lying to the American people. Every single direct request that he was capable uh, of meeting, uh, he has met. We have the USNS Mercy in California because of his direct intervention and support 2,000 of these uh, federal uh, medical stations because of his direct support. And so I can only speak for myself, uh, but I have to be complimentary. Otherwise, I would be simply lying to you, misleading you. Uh, And that is a a wonderful thing to be able to say. uh, And I hope that continues. Uh, But this has been a remarkable moment moment, or at least we've been able to arise above that partisanship. I actually really like the way that Newsom puts it here because he puts it in kind of honest political terms. He goes, look, basically what he's saying is I understand Anderson. I understand CNN that you want me to criticize Trump, but I can't do it. I wish I could. I'm sorry. I know I'm letting you down that I can't criticize Trump, but I would be lying. It would be so clearly dishonest if I said that Trump's not doing a good job because he is. Dr. Fauci said, earlier in the show, he said that the models are only as good as the data you put into them, right? So we have the fake data, the data given to us by the mainstream media, the data given to us by many democratic politicians early on. Okay. That led to a certain response that led to a certain picture of the virus, a certain picture of the political situation. Those data were wrong. Now we have new data. Okay. And the new data on the number of sick, the number of hospitalized, the number of intubated, the number of dead, new data on the federal government's response. We have new data. 
So we got to look at what those new data show us. And the new data show us things are very much in the right direction, that the alarmists were wrong. And it's time to start listening to the people who were right and stop listening to the people who were wrong. And speaking of rights, stop giving away all of our rights to failed politicians who are simply trying to save face because they bungled this so bad. To power-hungry hypocrites who don't care that the data have changed. They're sticking with their old story. Uh, we should not allow them to do that. Before we go, there's just one thing I want to get to. There is this one logical fallacy that the left keeps coming back to when they're trying to explain the coronavirus. And the argument is this. We are the virus. The reason that there is this coronavirus is it's the earth's natural response to how the human beings are damaging the environment. And so the earth is just so put upon that the earth is just, you know, focused really hard and created this virus to teach us all a lesson. And isn't it important that we teach that, that we learn that lesson and we stop attacking the earth. Spike Lee, the very overrated filmmaker is saying this. Spike Lee just said, quote, you know why the reason I read an article about it, how pollution is clearing up, skies are clear, animals are coming out. I mean, you know, the earth was angry at us. People may think I'm crazy, that I believe it in my heart and soul, that we had gone too far. And Earth said, hold up, we got to change this. We're killing this planet. And this time that everything was shut down, the Earth has come alive. Spike Lee, the actor Idris Elba, said almost exactly the same thing. Our world has been taking a kicking. You know, we've damaged our world. And, you know, it's no surprise that our world is reacting to the human race. There's no surprise that a virus has been created that is going to slow us down and ultimately make us think differently about our world and ourselves. That's like a real, for me, that's a standout thing that's very obvious that this is almost like the world's cry out to like, hey, 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 you're kicking me, you know, and what you're doing is not good. So I'll get rid of you as any, 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 organism would do is try and get rid of an infection. And maybe this is it for the world. So that's got to be it, right? It's not just Spike Lee. It's not just Idris Elba. Even Pope Francis came out and apparently said this. There is an expression in Spanish. God always forgives. We forgive sometimes, but nature never forgives. Who now speaks of the fires in Australia or remembers that 18 months ago, a boat could cross the North Pole because the glaciers had all melted. Who speaks now of the floods? I don't know if these are the revenge of nature but they are certainly nature's responses. Now, I am going to just assume, as a Catholic, I'm just going to assume that the Pope was mistranslated. Okay, let's go with that. Is there evidence? I don't know. I haven't, I'm not going to look into it. I don't, I'm just going to assume that the Pope was mistranslated. It's a good data point to have, but let's focus on Idris Elba and Spike Lee and the other people saying this. This is a very dumb point. It is, there's actually a a name for this logical fallacy. This is called the pathetic fallacy. The pathetic fallacy is when you attribute human feelings and human responses to inanimate objects. And we do this all the time. And especially the left does this all the time because especially the secular left does this constantly. The reason they do that is because it tends to be the case that irreligious people are the most superstitious of all. So they have the crystals and stuff and the the mantras and the yoga and all that kind of stuff. But apparently, you know, who knows what the Pope said also. 
It's the pathetic fallacy, and it's simply not true. The rock doesn't have feelings. The earth is not an organism. It's a rock. It doesn't feel anything. You can take a sledgehammer, just start beating the earth. You can take a knife, turn a switchblade, just stab the earth. Take your gun out, shoot round after round into the earth. The earth will not hurt. Okay, it won't bleed. It won't feel bad. It's a rock. Human beings have human feelings and human thoughts and human will and human action. The reason we have a pandemic is not because the earth is really upset that we're fracking or something or driving SUVs. The reason we have a pandemic is because the human beings in the Chinese government covered up their local epidemic. Did it escape from a lab? Possibly. Was it just because someone ate a bad case of bat soup? Could be that too, even though that storyline is kind of falling apart right now. But let's say that's the case. This is human action that is causing it. And we all want to kumbaya and pretend that nobody's ever at fault for anything, but some people are at fault. Okay. The Chinese government is at fault. They caused this. Some people in the media, some people on the professional left scared everybody to death based on BS. Some politicians tried to grab power. Some hypocrites wouldn't abide by their own draconian rules, but now they're trying to double down on them right now. That ain't the earth. Those are human beings causing those problems. And we need to hold those human beings accountable. But we'll have to put that off until tomorrow because that is our show. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.